Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. RJ has been going through a series on the goodness of God, and he's going to continue that series today talking about uh, trials and tragedies. It's a fun one. Uh, but first, we, um, we've been having, so um, you may have heard that this is our 40th year as a church. Yeah, and we've been, we've been looking at for ways to give back to our community for our 40th year and bless our community, but we've also been going through a little bit of the history from um, 1982 until now. And so we've had some videos of uh, Marjorie, Nello, and Marilyn have put together um, some awesome videos and just have talked about uh, the journey from then till now. And uh, I just want to introduce a couple special guest speakers before Pastor RJ comes up, um, and they're going to come up and share a little bit of more history with you guys. So uh, please join me in welcoming uh, Marilyn and Pastor Brian and Lynn to the stage. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Good morning. <laughs> Lots of new faces. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Margie and I, my sister Margie and I, shared a little bit about this book, Transforming Our Children into Spiritual Champions. And this is, a, uh, this is an important thing to me. The thing I value the most is our kids. Obviously, my relationship with the Lord. But if we don't do something for our kids we're one generation away from extinction. That's basically what he says in this book. But I'm going to read you just a short thing that he says. He says, the most significant uh, aspect of every person's life is his or her spiritual health. Some people would argue that other dimensions are more important, the physical, intellectual, relational, professional, moral, socioeconomic, and so forth. At the risk of being perceived as intolerant or politically incorrect, let me simply say that they are wrong. Every dimension of a person's experience hinges on his or her moral and spiritual condition. And I, being a teacher and a parent and a grandparent, I look at young people all the time. I just have a passion for young people. And I hear them say, I'll never be able to buy a car. I can't, I will never be able to move out of my parents' house. <laughs> I, I, I will never be able to afford a house. I will never, I will never, I will never. And I'm thinking, 
the songs we sang this morning, It Is Well With My Soul. And we need to sing that to ourselves, but it says, He won't. He won't. He won't fail us. And I'm thinking of Joshua when Joshua went into the promised land. You can imagine how frightening that was. If you know anything about Jericho, the walls, it was a well-fortified city. This must have been very frightening for him. But God spoke to him, and he said to him, Don't be afraid, Joshua, because the same way that I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And I'm saying that to all of you as well. And he said to him, I'm about to give you your inheritance. You all have an inheritance, right? There's a, yes, I'm not going to go off because I can know I can go off in a million different directions. I'm going to try to hold myself here. I get passionate about the word of God because the word of God is Jesus himself. It says, in the beginning was the word. Who was the word? Jesus. And in him is life. And that life is the light that lights up every one of us. And what does it say that light does? It dispels the darkness, and the darkness has no power and no authority over it. The things of this world are temporal, but God's word is eternal. What does temporal mean? It's subject to change. Apply God's word to it. What did he say to Joshua? He said, be strong and very courageous. He repeated it. Be strong and very courageous. And then he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. And then what did he say? Again, be strong and very courageous. He says, for the Lord your God is with you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. So I'm speaking to all of you, and I just feel there's somebody out there that's listening online. Apply God's word to your situation. God's got your back. He loves you. This book is transform It will transform you because it gives us statistics of what's going on. There's a new version of it written in 2016. If you're interested in this book, you can go to Amazon and get it. It's called, and you can go to the bookstore. They have the cover, front cover of it, so you can see it. Children are so important. And I have the pleasure today of introducing two people who love and adore their children. And in some senses, we have been their children. They've taught us how to worship and praise the Lord. I remember one time going through a very difficult time, and God said to me, sing. Sing. Why? Because singing takes you to a different part of your brain. And it helps you to get over that. It makes you feel joyous. It makes you feel happy. Amen? When Pastor Brian and Lynn first came to us, I thought, what a joy. Who are these amazing people? Brian was a rock star. <laughs> and he still is, because I went on Facebook and I was like, wow, this guy is amazing what he does and how he has blessed people. He's taught so many people how to worship and praise God. And when he first came to us, I thought, we have a rock star. No wonder our church was voted the most rocking church. <laughs> and it was. It was in the newspaper. I have a copy of it. If you don't believe it, come and see me. I'll show it to you. <laughs> anyway, they have been such a blessing to us. They are so wonderfully <laughs> humble. I know that both of them have weathered the storms like all of us. 
We all have times of suffering. We all have difficult times. But God never leaves us. And I, I speak to young people out there. Don't give up. He says, if you follow God's word, he'll make your way prosperous. You'll have good success. Keep God first, and you will, be, you will be successful. Anyway, this is the most humble couple I have ever met, and they've taught me so much about hope and love. They've been here right from the very beginning, and they're still here, and I want them to share a little bit about the beautiful things that they've done for our church. Amen? Thank you. I'm going to let Lynn, because um, Lynn was very much a part. I feel, Marilyn, thank you. <laughs> You know, I can, I can get very emotional, and my kids often say I'm more like a woman in my emotions than I am a guy. <laughs> but our, our, Pastor RJ knows when uh, I strap on a guitar, I become another person. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Pastor RJ, I found a picture yesterday of you with a full head of curly hair. <laughs> he has it. I mean, he has it thicker hair than I even have, so... <laughs> But we know we like who you are right now, Pastor RJ. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to let Lynn share a bit, and then I'm going to close up, and I'm going to desperately try not to be long-winded, so go ahead, Lynn. <laughs> and thank you so much, Marilyn. Um, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a blessing in staying the course. There's blessing in it, and, it, and if you get off course, get back up. Get back up and get back. Find your way back. Get on course again. Um, so a little history going back. Um, it was 1985, just turning 1986, that we, uh, Brian started on staff as lead worship leader, and Pastor Rick had heard us sing at a banquet, and um, he had remembered that, and when they were seeking a full-time position for that, um, contacted us. We had actually started attending the church as well, but we had been singing for about three years on and off on the road, and we had this um, big old van huge van, that they don't make them like that anymore, that we had, uh, it was converted with bunks and so on, sleeping in that, and we were traveling, singing on the road. So after we came on staff, my first memory of Pastor RJ was, I think, um, close to a year later, and I believe, I believe it was just turning 1987, I was pregnant with Bethany, Bethany who sang it as well this morning, and um, so we were way in the back of this van where the benches were, and on our way to go uh, to the village, what is it called, um, Greenfield Village in Detroit with him and his brothers and Pastor Rick. And so I uh, really got to know uh, Pastor RJ that time. And uh, somewhere along the line, he found out that uh, it must have come up maybe that day that I liked Reese's peanut butter cups. So in, indeed, when Bethany was born in the hospital, he came to visit me in the hospital and showed up with Reese's peanut butter cups. And I thought, this is the sweetest young man. He remembered that <laughs> and no idea that he would um, be my pastor someday. And of course, when we were um, on staff uh, this, at this particular time, we were doing the youth, uh, and uh, our offices were next door. And of course, I got to know Pastor RJ quite a bit and the prankster that he is. And uh, that was nice. But um, also, but, but um, just going back, uh, the Lord always wants us to go back and to remember before we go forward. And so going back and remembering... This house was built on a firm foundation. It was built on Christ. And I'm so thankful to Pastor Rick because of his sensitivity to the Holy Spirit 
and the freedom that he gave the Holy Spirit in the house because year after year after year, there were times in the presence of the Lord that they were so thick. The air was so thick with the love of God and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And for time's sake, there's just so many great times, but I just want to quickly remember one. Um, this would often happen on a Sunday night where uh, the worship, we would God would just begin to pour out his spirit on the worship, and there would be spontaneous songs and spontaneous things, spontaneous rhythms, and the joy would build and build. And this one night, again, Pastor Rick would wave to, to Pastor Brian, and he would say, keep it going, keep it going, and he would ditch his notes for his sermon, and he would just say, keep it going, keep it going. He'd get the wave. And this one night, uh, don't remember if we went the whole night long or if he called us up early, but we were just spontaneously singing to this rhythm of joy that Brian had created, just spontaneous words. And uh, people had mostly left, picked up their kids and so on. There's a straggle of people left, but we kept playing because there was a young man dancing from this corner to that corner, back and forth, back and forth, with his hands in the air, tears coming down his face, going up and down the aisle, and I couldn't take my eyes off of him. And so we just kept playing and singing till we know the Holy Spirit had done what he needed to do. And I don't even know who that gentleman was, but I remember Brian saying to me afterwards that he just got delivered from substance abuse. And, and it just, it was so much um, sealed on my heart that that's what the presence of God will do. And I work at Windsor Life Center. It's one of the, the new adventures that I am on. Work at Windsor Life Center. And I went downtown to a seminar that I was invited to attend to learn more about substance and addiction. And in that, the gentleman told us there are over 10,000 people with substance problems, with substance addictions in Essex County. And, and, and we, we have a dozen in this home, but 10,000. And I said, Lord Jesus, we need the altar, and we need this song of joy, and we need this song of deliverance. Music is so powerful, and music is part of our Sabbath. It's part of our mental health. It is part of what God has provided. It is a gift. It's not just because he sits there and he needs it for him. It is his gift to you to remember, to remember the word of God, to remember who he is, to become joyful and and glad and worship him with abandon. People don't, going forward, going forward, don't be passive when you come into the house because remember, the Sabbath rest is your gift. But the Sabbath is about community, remembering God's word, learning it, remembering it, and it's about making music and melody for your goodness, for your mental health, and for the presence of God to come and visit us. Don't forget, thank you, worship teams that are carrying on. Thank you for the beautiful, beautiful songs that you pick. 
and for the sacrifice of time. It's a sacrifice. Thank you for the sacrifice of time, worship teams, wherever you are all around. Um, and that's what I want to say. When you come, the psalm says more about singing than it does in any other thing. Of, of, of It talks about clapping, lifting your hands, dancing, but it talks about sing, 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 sing. That we are called, we are asked, we are admonished of the Lord to sing to him because something happens in your heart when you do that. It is the sacrifice. It is a gift back to God. So go forward with that. Okay. Thanks, Lynn. Um, I often, you know, uh, bounce would bounce things off of Lynn. I wish I could stand here and say, that my life has been a, a bed of roses, but I think different now, you know, because being in ministry, and I'm sure Pastor RJ and Mary could tell you countless times alone that they've wept together, they've hit their knees together, because you have to stay in communication with God, or the devil will try and take you out. Don't ever let you think, hey, I'm on good ground. The Bible says to take heed that you stand lest you fall. And I'm saying that not to be a discouragement, to be an encouragement. There's been times of great stress, like Marilyn said, when you felt like in a four-foot box and you could not get your way out. And the only way was a life of worship. And I've learned now, after all these years, even when I, I rub up shoulders, just something about me, I love being with people of the world who don't know Jesus and that, and you see, they're going through the same thing, but they don't have any hope. They don't. We're to bring the hope to them. And I'm telling you, when you come out of that, you come out with a sense of great victory. I remember like 25 years standing on the stage, Pastor RJ played his trumpet faithfully up there. We went on prison trips and, you know, you can put the slides on. I don't want to take much more time. And I, I found a few things uh, that... Anyways, this, uh, that was in Collins Bay Penitentiary. And we went down there, and yeah, we rocked the house. And you know what? I remember the, uh, the chaplain. One day I was with Don Bodwin, and we were, we were packing up, and he, sent, he said, boy, you know, you guys think you're pretty smart, pretty wild. You know, you come in here and get them all fired up. And, and I remember Don looked at him and said, you know what, brother, you got it all wrong. He said, you realize that what you do from day after day and month after month and year after year, we come in and we get a harvest. But it's only because also of what you've laid down. And that. I remember Don Bodum was shocked. He just said to him, you know, the Bible says that some plant, some water what's planted, and some harvest. But Jesus said every one of them get the same reward. Did you hear what I'm saying? So sometimes we miss opportunities to plant or we miss opportunities to, to, plant, uh, uh, to pour water on what's been planted. And then ultimately we miss opportunities of harvesting, of leading people to Christ. But so don't always feel, I got to lead them to Christ. I got to lead them to Christ. That is the Holy Spirit's job, not ours. And you know what? I get free of it. When I'm trying to, oh, Lord, i got to get them saved. You know what? If you just do what you're called to do, be nice to people, look for opportunities to talk, and it might not even be, it probably won't be around the, uh, the Lord at first. It'll be on something, take an interest in them. But anyways, in the music ministry, 
You know, there's so many opportunities. Uh, there's, there's more. There was out in the parks, which Pastor RJ uh, played with us. We went over to the Eastern Market. There's just something that was in my soul about doing outreach. And I remember I used to tell the church people, you know, it's nice down there to go have a nice, you know, church service in the park. But I said, I want to go down where the sinners are. I want to, I want to do stuff and to attract them to come and listen to the preaching and all that. So I said, don't feel obligated to come down. If you come down, enjoy it, but talk to people. And I just saw the results of that. And there's stories that I could tell you that got back to me from those meetings. There was a, there was a couple, there was a guy in adultery, was on a big yacht going by our park meeting. And later I found this out, he was in adultery and he told uh, the, the people he was with, take me back, I can't do this. And he went and made it right with his wife. Like I have no idea all those years that we sowed into the community in the prisons, I'll, I won't find out until I get to heaven. But Marilyn, thank you so much for all those uh, kind words you said. But I've got to put on my shoes and clean myself every day, just like you. And the series that Pastor RJ and that is teaching right now is actually has been a, a favorite scripture of mine. I've quoted it under my breath and out loud so many times that, Lord, I know what I'm going through. I know it, Lord, that I'm going to live to see the, uh, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's there, not just for David. David's example was to us. So whatever you're struggling with in marriage, you know, in drugs, your children, your children away from the Lord. You keep hitting, keep hitting your knees and trusting God to do great things. Pastor R.J. and Mary, I just want to thank you for keeping the legacy of what goes on in this stage. Number one, the preaching of the word. The preaching of the word. I had someone last, uh, last week say to me, you know, we were talking, we just got in a conversation talking about the end times. And I said, well, you know, the word says, and he says, I don't want to hear about the word. Well, you know what? You may not, but I want to. I want to bring the word into it because one day you're going to face the word. And I don't normally get really direct with people, but when I find an arrogancy, I need to lovingly speak up to people. Give them food for thought, planting a seed, because you don't know what God's going to water. We don't have to go around as uh, the Holy Spirit police force. We can get ourselves in trouble that way. Just be real and be nice to people. You know, that's what they really want is you to be nice to them. You know, my own kids sometimes, they're not looking for grumpy dad, <laughs> right? A grumpy mom. And I've been that way. I've had to go to my own children many times and ask for forgiveness. But I tell you, and, and you know what? As, as forgiving as children can be, your heavenly father, he beats them all. You know, he never makes you feel guilty when you come to him. He's there to pick you up. And the good news is you don't have to go back to the beginning. You pick it up where you left off. Isn't that good to get in the race? So I am so thankful to this church and the starting that we had, that I was able to do. I mean, I had a rack of amps up here and a flying B guitar, and I just was myself. Whether I was out there, it was here. And I never wanted to bring dishonor to the Lord. But I thank you, because in the presence of the Lord, there's freedom. There's freedom. And, and when we get together, there's strength in unity. So like Lynn was saying, I'm going to leave you with this. When you come in in the morning, don't let it be other people. 
You show your kids, especially fathers, you come in here and you lift your hands and you begin to show because they know when your kids see you go through a tough time at work or at home, they'll know, but my dad lifts his hands in church. He know, he, he'll learn, your kids will learn where you find your strength. I hope we're not, we're not too long-winded. I don't want to take away from Pastor RJ, but Pastor Mary, you guys keep your feet planted in what you're doing. We just love it. We love WCF. I thank for Pastor Rick who gave me the freedom to do what I was doing. And now, um, anyways, <laughs> thank you. And just a quick thank you. It was really a privilege to serve along Pastor Brian all these years in worship. It was uh, 20, 23 and a half here in this room and then a couple of years of overflow rooms. So it was about 25 years. But uh, I just want to say too that um, he really had a, also a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, and that was what made such um, a great team with him and Pastor Rick. And I, I do remember coming with Lance Walnut one night, and uh, the Lord had put on my heart, bring that little song I hadn't kind of finished about hope, bring that song, and had no idea what he's preaching on. He preached on hope that night, and at some point he was praying over, uh, getting winding down his message, and the Holy Spirit said, get the song ready. I put it in front of myself, and we were just playing in the background, and um, Lance had begun to pray with people, I think, and uh, I said, just whispered in my heart to the Holy Spirit, um, let Brian know. I didn't feel I was just to sing without permission, let Brian know, and just seconds later, he looked over at me while he was playing guitar, and he, he said, you know, you got something, the signal, and I said, yes, and he said, gave me the Pastor Rick roll, and, and sang this song about hope, but the whole message had been on hope, and it was this moment where the congregation um, broke into shouting, broke into shouting, but that's the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit that he operated in, and I, I thank God for that. And, and let's move forward with more of that in, the, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now you're blessed. I'm going to invite Pastor RJ to the stage, and we're going to be blessed with the word, and I know he's going to be able to in such short time. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, love you guys. Trying to think what story I want to tell right now. <laughs> the practical jokes. Uh, Lynn, Lynn did experience her fair share of those over the years, I guess. So one I did was, uh, if you know Pastor Brian, in his office, he used to hang every guitar he owned on the wall. So if you walked in, there was like this wall of all these flying Vs and stuff. And, and 13. And... They have seven children. So I walked in one day and I saw like the kids started writing names on the guitars. So I just kind of put RJ on one. <laughs> but um, what I want to share, uh, prisons. Uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to share something about the prison. I just got to remember what I want to share now. Goodness, it'll come to me in a second. How do you transition out of that? We, we used to go up there and just, oh, I know what it was. We would, we would go up. The first time we went up, we took a cube van, put three couches in the back, built a fake wall for all the equipment and luggage, and 13 of us, I think, sat 
on the couches while well, 11 and then two people drove. It was, it was quite an interesting trip. But so we're going up to do prison ministry and they pull over to take a rest. You know, when you're driving up to Kingston, you don't go straight normally. You just pull over, you stop and everyone's walking around. We're in this little, I guess they call them a strip mall. You know, those little strip malls. And we're walking down the mall and they found these uh, Converse shoes for like a buck 99. Everybody on the whole music team bought Converse shoes. Um, so I have like this, I'm going to call it a popular size. So my size 10 feet, when you go to clearance, there's not a lot of shoes on the clearance rack that are size 10 sometimes because, I don't know, it seems like everybody has that size foot and those ones go quick. So the only color shoe I could buy was pink. So everyone else has these nice blue and black and green and yellow shoes. And I had to wear pink shoes into the prison to do prison ministry with all of the men. No, there's a twist. So I'm in, you know, you're in, you're kind of in general population. No problem. That was, that was fine. You're in the restroom doing your thing at the urinal. And a guy walks up and goes, hey, nice pink shoes. I'm like, oh no. And I was like, well, have you seen the drummer's shoes? Now, our drummer was a guy who was about, I don't know, six foot four, 360 pounds. He was a large man. And the only ones that were 13 triple E were also pink. <laughs> so after I left, I went over and I hung out by him. And the guy came over and I said, see, he's got the pink shoes too. And the guy was like, okay. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to transition this. So, trials and tragedy. <laughs> Actually, one more thing. We were um, down at a park service at Dia Park, actually, we were playing. And uh, I could tell you stories all day, but I remember this one particular day. I remember it very vividly. Uh, it was a Sunday night, and there was a storm of brewing. How many know when the storm clouds come rolling in? And yeah, the big, uh, they call them, uh, the thunderhead, cumulus, whatever, the big storm clouds, the lightning coming across the river. So uh, we were just set up. And then, you know, you have your tech team that's panicking because electronic equipment and generators don't do good in rain. And I remember as the storm was going to come in and it was just about to break, uh, Pastor Brian I think he operated in gift of faith is what I'm going to call it. And he literally just said, because he had to make the call and shut it down or go. And he just stopped and he rebuked the storm. And I remember there was a big, there's still a big tree down there at Dia Park, that one big, uh, is it a willow or whatever? It was literally blowing straight down. The wind was coming straight down and it rained for about 15 seconds. And then it was like someone took a bulldozer and pushed the storm down the river and it went around us. And we had a really powerful meeting that night and people got saved. And, but it was just, uh, anyway, I don't know if you remember that. I remember that. <laughs> when you see that happen, you remember. It's not too often a storm goes like this and go, <laughs> go around. Okay. So we've been working through the goodness of God, uh, his nature in creation on the cross, good father, good son, 
Uh, last week, we talked about God is good to the lost. And today I want to talk to you about God is still good in trials and tragedy. I'm going to probably go five to eight minutes past 12.15, just so everyone knows. Okay. I know some would suggest because we have trials that God is not good. And others would think that because tragedies happen that God doesn't care or God is not good. So I want to I wanna kind of back up a step and start looking at this concept and break it down a little. From the time of Lucifer's rebellion and fall, evil and sin existed. God created everything good, but then Lucifer, because of his freedom of choice, chose to rebel against God. And as a result, sin entered in, evil entered in, okay, to creation. Now, People have asked me this over the years, and you know, God could have eradicated Lucifer, wiped him out immediately for rebelling against him. Um, The only challenge I see if God would have wiped out Lucifer at that time is then every other human being or angel that existed after that uh, would have served God out of fear. Because, oh, look what he did. Uh, Yeah, I'm not doing that, right? Not, not going to go there. So God wanted us to serve him out of love, not out of fear. Okay. And then there's this other portion where God in all of his wisdom, I think he wanted creation to experience the full terror of sin and to experience the full horror of our disobedience so that we would understand our great need to have a savior and so that we could realize the cost that there is for sin and breaking God's law. So in the Garden of Eden, God created humans in his image, and we were created to be, bear the image of God. But God foreknew that when he made humans, they were going to break his law. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us in his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ, This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. You know, God had the entire plan of salvation in place before he even created the world. Jesus, they're going to break the law. They're going to partake of the fruit. The serpent's going to deceive them. You're going to have to go to earth as a human, live among them, and you're going to have to die. That plan was set up before God spoke the universe into existence, before he created it. Before you existed, God had a plan to redeem you back to himself. And uh, you get to choose um, every day because of your free will. Every one of you is given free will. You have a responsibility. You have a choice. You can live righteous or unrighteous. You can live holy or unholy. You live in a culture where people don't like to take responsibility for their actions. But every day you get to choose right or you get to choose wrong. The choice is in your hands, okay? You either choose, God, I'm going to serve you and do my best to do right, or you want to serve yourself, and by extension, if you're serving yourself, you're serving Satan. Okay? Augustine, he's a theologian that lived a long time ago. Uh, he, he, he developed this a little bit more than I'm going to be able to develop today, but he talked about the state of man in relation to the state of his will, and I'm going to just simply go there. Uh, before the fall in the Garden of Eden, we're going to call it pre-fall, man had the ability they were able to sin or they were able not to sin. So in other words, in the garden, Adam and 
Eve and any other humans with them at the time before the fall, they could either choose to sin or choose not to. They had that capacity. Kind of like Christ did when he was here. He could choose not to or he could choose to. After the fall, you know, they, they ate the forbidden fruit. They, they were not allowed to eat. The serpent tricked them. Uh, at that point, man, post-fall, is not able to not sin, which means that it's impossible for humans to live without breaking God's law post-fall. Every one of you have broken God's law. We all sin. We've all, we've all messed. We've missed the mark. We've messed up, okay? Christ came, and now there's the regenerated man, which is able not to sin again. So God gave us the ability to choose in the, in the new creation, the new life. We choose whether we want to sin or not to. We have the capacity to not sin. And then in the future, there will be the glorified man where we get our holiness from God and we will not be able to sin any longer. We're unable to sin again. That's where we're all headed. That's where we're trying to get to. Now, John 3.16 is a very popular verse. You know, you see people at games, they hold up the sign, John 3.16, for God loved the world, he gave his son, that if you believe in him, you won't perish, but you'll have eternal life, right? But there's verse 17 to 21 in the same context. God sent his world, God, son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There's no judgment against anyone who believes in him. This is Jesus. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came in the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. Isn't that the world we live in today? People who do evil, what do they do? In verse 20, they hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what's right come to the light so others can see that they're doing what God wants. Now, I'm gonna kind of build on that a little bit over the next few minutes. God is no less good when you go through a trial. In fact, when I read the scriptures, it sounds to me like trials are like a badge of honor that Christians get. (laughs) When we walk through these trials, it's something that brings us joy. Watch, James 1.12, Amplified, blessed, happy, spiritually prosperous, favored by God is the man who is steadfast under trial and perseveres when tempted. For when he's passed the test and been approved, he will receive the victor's crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Back up in James chapter one, two to four. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. How many look at trials as an opportunity for great joy? Some. The rest of you in James, it tells us that it's an opportunity. We know when our faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. When your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. How many know the reality is, at the end of the day, fiery trials suck? Maybe I shouldn't say that from the pulpit, but the truth is they do. And anyone that's walking through a trial knows that life is not, not good when you're going through trials. But it always precedes the glory of God being revealed. Okay, and that's where we have to keep our focus when we're walking through a trial. We have to be looking to the glory that's going to be revealed. First Peter 4, 12 and 13. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you go through as if something strange were happening to you. 
What do you mean? I'm a Christian. I gave my life to Christ. What do you mean I have to walk through a trial? I didn't sign up for this. As if something strange were happening. What, you, you get the Christian card and you get exempt from trials? <laughs> Sorry, trial, I have this exemption card. I gave my life to Jesus. Does it work that way? It's not what it says. Instead, be glad for trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering. Uh-oh. <laughs> that means we all get to suffer with Christ. So you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to the world. Listen, Jesus said we're going to have trials and sorrows. Did you read John 16, 33? I've told you all this so you have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Take heart, I've overcome the world. Trials that you experience are more often about man's choices than God's plan for man because of free will. So people make bad choices and it causes trials in relationships. It causes trials because people don't choose correctly. People aren't acting right, okay? When your neighbor doesn't act right, it creates a trial for you. When your husband or wife doesn't act right, it creates a trial for you. You need to mature in your faith, kind of like Pastor Brian and Lynn do, so that you can work things out at a higher level so it doesn't go to places it shouldn't. Tragedies. There's lots of tragedies, not a complete list, but war, hunger, thirst, earthquakes, starvation, tornadoes, hurricanes, genocide, accidents, homicides, suicides, divorce, rape, death. No one is exempt from these events. If you're living life, one of these has touched you. And sometimes when we go through tragedy, you know, we feel like Job in Job chapter 17, you know, where he says, um, my spirit is crushed and my life is nearly snuffed out. The grave is ready to receive me. I'm surrounded by mockers. I watch how they bitterly taunt me. You know, oh God, just kill me. Take me home. I don't want to be here anymore. Has anyone ever done that when you go through a tragedy? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying to make fun of you, but we do this. Now here's what I want you to understand. Tragedy makes us go oftentimes to dark places. Even if your life is founded on the truth of the word of God, even if you're living a Christian life, even if you try to put your worship on as much as you can, there's times that in tragedy, you have dark thoughts and dark ideas and even your hope gets darkened and there's this darkness that touches you. It even affects your dreams sometimes. Has anyone ever been there in that dark night? You know what I'm talking about? Tragedy pushes you that way, right? And, and what I want you to understand is sometimes when you have those dark thoughts, you're ashamed, embarrassed, or just not willing to talk about them with other people. Has anyone ever had a dark thought that you just don't share with others? Here's what I want you to hear. Psalms 139 verse 7. I can never escape from your spirit and I can never get away from your presence. God is with you in the darkness. God is right there with you in the dark times. God is not afraid of your dark thoughts. He is light. When we are walking through tragedy, he is right there with us. He sustains us. You think Jesus is a stranger to tragedy? Think about it. He left heaven. He came to earth. He had to live among us. 
He was mistreated. He was abused. He was rejected by his friends and family. He was falsely accused of things like blasphemy against God, horrible things. He endured torture. He endured humiliation, shame. Not to mention, he had to endure the cross and carry all the sin of humanity upon himself on his own body. He was murdered. You think Jesus endured some tragedy in his life? It's tragic to me that in our culture here in Canada, as a whole, the culture is, wants nothing to do with God. They're trying to eliminate God from everywhere. Yeah. Okay. And when you talk about Christianity, you become a extremist. And they're trying to paint you that way right now as a Christ follower. And, and what you need to understand is I find it amusing because the same people that don't want God in any part of the equation, they're quick to blame him when tragedy happens. They curse in his holy name. They attribute the works of God to or the works of Satan to God. I don't want to ever be in that place. How about you? Just because a tornado comes, it doesn't mean that was sent from God. Usually the thief is the one that comes to kill, still and destroy. That's what the Bible talks about. You know, I, I had a thought when you were talking, Lynn, um, about addiction and how, you know, you have 12, but there's 10,000 in the region. And, and I don't know if you've ever been on the beach after a hurricane or, or a tropical storm. I, I was in Corpus Christi one time when I was living in Dallas. We had drove down there and we drove through a tropical storm as it was passing. And we were the first group of people walking on the beach after the storm. And it's chaos. There's jellyfish everywhere and driftwood and uh, starfish and fish and you name it. There's all kinds of sponges, like everything all over the beach. Catastrophe, right? But even though there was thousands, well, I probably popped a few jellyfish. I probably shouldn't say that out loud just because they blow up. And... But, but the starfish, you can pick them up and you can toss them back in the water. And you may not be able to save them all, but I saved that one. And you know what? We work with the people that God has placed in our path. And if I can touch a life today, and if I can transform a life today, if I can help someone that's walking through tragedy by coming alongside them, right? There's an element to this conversation that I have to have with you. I'd be remiss at the very least. We talk about free will, and rarely do people complain about free will when they want to go get drunk or fornicate or gossip or eat too much or lie or cheat or steal, or when they want to be apathetic, when they lack compassion for the lost, they don't want to pray, they're hurting, uh, they don't have any care for the hurting, they're jealous. But how quickly do we flip the switch and complain to God loudly and persistently when other people do those things? It's easy to question openly God's goodness when other people are doing it to us, but we appeal to his mercy when we have consequences in our own life due to our own choices. Psalms 34, 15 to 18. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help, but the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. Whoa. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help and he rescues them from all their troubles. Not always in the way you want them to and not always on the timeline you like. 
The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. God is with us in tragedy. Be slow to judge others who are walking through tragedy. He's with them too. 1 Corinthians 4, 3 to 5. As for me, it very, this is Paul, right? It matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or any other human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on that point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. The Lord himself will examine me and decide. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns, for he will bring our darkest secrets to light and reveal our private motives, and God will give to each one whatever praises is due. Sometimes when someone's walking through a tragedy, our brain goes to, oh, I wonder what horrible sin they committed or what secret sin they have that's keeping them from being. Why did this happen to them? Okay. And you know what? While I do believe that we open the door to the enemy sometimes through sin and disobedience, there's a whole bunch of other times when stuff just happens because we live in a fallen sinful world and Satan hates you. Okay, or people make bad choices and you have to endure that. So don't be so quick to judge others because they're going through a tragedy or a trial. Okay, because we don't know. God's the one that has to judge that. God's the one that gets to discern that. God's the one. But if you start judging people, you will likely have less compassion for them because of the judgment that you're placing on them. That is not how God has called us to live. Truth is we all deserve judgment. If we didn't deserve judgment, Jesus didn't need to come to planet Earth. In 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 to 10, we're pressed on every side by troubles. We're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Let me come back to that. I, I, I'm just going to go here for a second and then I'll close down. I, I remember some years ago when I came back into town. I'd gone away for school and I'd done some mission work in the Philippines. And when I came back after almost seven years away, better part of seven years, um, a lot of people didn't know who I was, that I had grown up in the church, that I had been here for many years before. And, and I remember I was sitting uh, right about where you are, Peter. Peter, wave at me. See Peter there? I was sitting right there, about there. It was a red chair then. And I was wearing my hoodie. I love hoodies. If you know me, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing a hoodie all the time. And we were having a prayer meeting and I was sitting there praying with my hoodie on after I'd come back from the mission field a couple months. And one of our leaders who clearly didn't know me um, came up and started rebuking me because I need to give up my drug addiction. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've never used, or fortunately, I've never used illegal drugs, and I hate using legal ones. <laughs> you can ask my wife, she's like, stop it. <laughs> you take this. No, but my point is, it wasn't something that was a known issue in my life, but I was being judged and chastised and called out. And, and, and the kicker is, I'm not even lying to you. I've, I've, I've never done illegal drugs. Two weeks later, I bring the young adults group out to a, a, a big service in the community where there was a guest speaker. 
So I've got like 30, 40 people from our young adults group. And the speaker calls me out and starts addressing me in front of everyone on my drug addiction. And I'm going. (laughs) I'm like, Jesus, is there an addiction problem that I have that I don't know about? Like, I was like, what is going on? But it was a great opportunity for me to operate in love and forgiveness. It was a great opportunity for me to just go, to look within and go, what is going on here? I just, so be careful to judge people, right? In this particular case, I really feel it had to do with my dress. I looked a certain way, so they value judge me based on what I was wearing, I'm going to suggest never value judge anyone based on what they're wearing, what they're driving, or where they live. Amen. Amen. Character is the one thing that we can inspect. Observed character over time. That's the fruit. So we go through stuff, we get pressed, we get crushed, we get driven to despair, we get hunted by the enemy. We feel abandoned, but we're not. You can get knocked down, you're not destroyed, get back up, okay? Tragedy's gonna happen, trial's gonna happen, God is right there with you. He's walking through it with you. And the truth is, if you're in community, there's some people that'll walk through it with you. You know, some friends lost a loved one this week. There's people in community that will walk through that with them step by step. Stand up with me. Fathers, we come to the table today. The bread in our hands. Your body was broken so that we can be free. Free from sickness and disease. And Lord, there's way more things I don't understand than there is things that I do, but I know this much is true. You love me. You've called me according to your purpose. And I know you love each and every person in this room. Father, I thank you that your sons and daughters can come to the table today freely without coercion. We can lay down our agendas and our pride. We can take up our cross and we can serve you. Lord, for everyone that's in a trial and everyone that's going through a hard time and everyone that's walking through tragedy right now, let your grace be sufficient. Let your peace be upon them. Let their hope be renewed and let your love be poured out. In Jesus' name. And Father, as we have the cup in our hand, the blood of the new covenant, your blood, Lord, on the cross, was shed for our sin. And it restored us to relationship with you. And it gave us back that ability to not yield to sin. Father, strengthen the heart and the resolve of every Christ follower in the room today that they can live for you. But Lord, not just live for you, that they could die for you, that they could die daily to their flesh, to their feelings and emotions, especially when they're not lined up with your word. They could live for the truth and they could live for your glory. Thank you that you're sanctifying your church, 
that we release forgiveness and receive forgiveness even in this moment. In Jesus' name. Norman and Nadine will come. God bless you all. Good morning, church. I'm Norm. This is my wife, Nadine. First of all, I'd like to thank Pastor RJ for a great message today. I'd also like to thank the other speakers, Marilyn, Pastor Brian, and Lynn, for some very encouraging, powerful words. Of course, they're powerful and encouraging because they're the Word of God. Amen? Psalms 34.8 says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. We've all seen and tasted the goodness of our Lord. And in refuge, we are to go with him whenever we're in trials and tribulations. Um, I can share that, you know, times in my life when I went through, you know, tribulations and um, experienced a peace, a peace beyond understanding. And, you know, those trials and tribulations, as Pastor RJ was speaking, you know, bring, bring us closer to the Lord, helped with the purpose of our life that he has for us. And my endurance to some, especially those who didn't know the Lord, um, was something that people couldn't understand. And that is, our, that is one of our testimonies. So as you leave today, encourage you all to share your testimony of what God has brought you through. Because you, in sharing that testimony, you are not only encouraging someone, but the glory is going to God. And um, like I shared the, the first service, um, I had a friend who passed away two weeks ago. And um, as we prayed with her before she passed, interceded on her behalf, we stand in faith that she gave her heart to the Lord. And I share that with you because life is very short. We don't know when our last day is going to be. And as we go through these tribulations, the Lord is drawing us closer to him in not sharing that joy and that peace that we know could significantly impact someone's life and that they will not be in eternity with him. So please, as you go out, we encourage you. Share your story. Share your testimony of what God has brought you through so that people will see his goodness and they'll see it through what you've gone through. And so we ask, we pray that the Lord... um, As the word says, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way as you go forth. WCF, you have been equipped now. Go, 